Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Life Alphabetically. This is Nick. Um, you'll get a little bit different intro this time, even though we don't really have a set intro yet. Um, this is the second episode of using the same letter D. Um, as you probably heard in the last one, we ended up recording on multiple days and having so much to talk about and, and so much recorded that we decided to split it into two episodes. So what you're about to hear is the rest of our D topics. Hope you enjoy. I, I thought about talking about death um, and and fearing death or not fearing death and what death means to you and experience with death. Um, I thought about talking about those are all. I know. Those are, that's I, I think I want to do an episode with you that talks about death and depression and some of those heavier topics. But yeah, I think we should. That's not what this is. There's there's two very short things I want to. Talk okay. About. First one is disappointment. Okay. What is the one thing that you were the most excited for in your life that turned out to be a supremely massive disappointment. And I can go first if you'd like to think about it. Go ahead, yeah. There is a video game <laughs> that was made by the people that made uh, the Borderlands games, which are fantastic games. Yes. The game is called Alien, Alien, Aliens, sorry, Aliens Colonial <laughs> Marines. Okay. <laughs> you may know the Alien movie franchise. There are two absolutely amazing movies. That's Alien and Aliens. And then three and four are bullshit. Mm -hmm. This game was supposed to take place right after two and ignore three and four. It was supposed to be the shooting game made by these people that made one of my favorite games, and it had the, it was supposed to have this fantastic story set in this franchise, and it, like... Me and, and Joe, my best friend, we were so excited for it. We went out, we got this thing the day it came out, paid the $60 or whatever it was, plus tax, put this thing in the game, and, and we started to play it. It was so technically bad, so glitched, so awful, the fucking thing was unplayable. It is the what? biggest disappointment I've ever had in my entire life. We played maybe an hour of it, even if we got that far in it, and turned the fucking thing off and was like, I can't believe we spent, I can't believe we spent American dollars on this. <laughs> like you thought it was like a, should have been a knockoff. <laughs> it, yes, we should have gotten That's it from so some terrible. guy that like wanted to flash his dick and was wearing a trench coat yeah. and had a stack of dicks. Yes. No. So what, what is the most disappointed you've ever been in something you were excited for? Uh, I don't have as good of a story as that, but like, um, there's a point in my life where, um, like a lot of things had gone wrong for me and I was working in my master's thesis at the time. And I think in my mind, I had built up this thesis to be like, this is the pivotal thing that's making the rest of your life horrible. And I thought once I finished it and like defended that my life would be fixed. But I woke up the next morning in such a state of depression that I walked into a therapist's office for like a walk-in appointment because I was like, it, because you wake up, like imagine wake, waking up and then realizing 
that like all the stuff you'd worked so hard for and you know it kind of felt like I raised the rest of my life to the ground in order to accomplish this one task and I just thought okay you've accomplished this one task now like everything's fine now but to wake (laughs) up and then like have the awareness and like look at your life and like realize what a wasteland that you have created Mm -hmm. from it scorched earth all around you like you scorched the earth around you like you did that like no one else did that to you your thesis didn't do it you did that um that was a pretty brutal and disappointing moment because I, I just like like I said I was so excited and I was like I'm gonna feel so good like everything is gonna be fine after this and it just wasn't and it wasn't for a very long time because that's how life works <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not true I think there's like lots of other situations where like you do turn in the assignment and your life is better or <laughs> you know you you get your big project and you make your deadline and you have your big meeting and like it's fine again but like that just wasn't the situation. I feel like it was a very, like, real-life, like, adult, disappointing moment where you realize that, like, in order to do one thing, you have to sacrifice something else, and you can't have both. And I was just so... I was, like, just mostly disappointed in myself. I wasn't, like... I didn't have any, like, man to yell at, right? I didn't write, like, angry complaint letters to myself. Right. (laughs) Dearest Malavika, how dare you? How dare you raise your life to the ground and then think you'll just be better once you submit the assignment? Right. Yeah, I don't know if that's like, I guess that was the first thing that came to my mind, so I don't know. I will say there's there's also, I've experienced this in the reverse, and, and I, I feel like you probably have as well. Yeah. Going going into something where that I was like, this is going to be bullshit. This is going to be fucking the worst thing I've ever seen in the world, and then coming out of it and it being a really positive experience. And the one that comes to mind for me is this. Um, a movie came out called Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yes. In 2000, I want to say 09. It was the first cartoon Star Wars movie, and it was the first, it was before the Clone Wars cartoons or Rebels or anything like that, and it basically was gonna be a steaming pile of shit. And so me and my friend Steve and my friend Tom went at midnight to go see this movie the night it came out, and I am not gonna say it wasn't a steaming pile of shit, because it was. I've never had a better experience seeing a movie in my entire life. We laughed to the point of tears throughout the whole movie. There was maybe, including the three of us, there was maybe six people in the theater that we were seeing it at. And it, we were fucking rolling on the floor, making each other laugh. It was like our own personal, like, Mystery Science Theater (laughs) 3000. It was perfect. It is like one of those perfect experiences in my mind that was like, this was going to be bullshit, and we made it a, a huge memory for me. Yeah. I'll always adore that memory. No, and there's, like, plenty of situations like that. Actually, I did think of a, a better disappointing story. So oh, um, Allison Roman, she – Roman? Yeah, I don't know. I think I just made up an accent. Allison Roman, New York Times, like, cooking contributor, um, so she had this, like, chocolate chip shortbread cookie that, like, you know, supposedly broke the Internet, and everyone was oh, posting right. about how amazing it was. And I was like, okay, okay, like, i got to try it. Like, you know, the new, like, you know, people I, like, knew didn't enjoy baking or baking this cookie and, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I'm sure it's, like, great or, like, decent. And I made it, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was, like, a terrible cookie, and I was I was so angry. And I remember you texting me. Yeah, I was just so pissed off about this. Like, I was like, I can't believe I, like, wasted butter and sugar on this, like, piece of shit. And, like, it, 
it, to be fair, I was also following it up after I had made a Dory Greenspan recipe, and Dory Greenspan is an amazing recipe writer and amazing chef and bake and like baker especially. And I think it was just like extra disappointing in that context because it went from like excellent cookie to piece of shit. And my friends and I were like, "What do we like? No, just no." <laughs> um, so that was disappointing. And and like I think a lot of food things are overhyped. Uh, so it's fine. Actually, I do really like her. I watch her New York Times videos. I've made a couple of her other recipes, and they've all turned out wonderfully. I think she has, like, a cooking style that's very similar to my own, where it tends to be, like, a little bit more simple and, like, you know, things you can easily make at home, not too fussy. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> but I, I just hated that cookie. And I also tried the ovenly cookie when I was in New York uh, a couple months ago, and it's like a big deal because it's like the vegan cookie you would never know is vegan and it's amazing and it was not that good. Like I and my friends and I ate it and I had just made chocolate chip cookies like earlier that week and we were like, mm-hmm. this is worse than like what we made and we well to be fair, I made like pretty good chocolate chip cookies, but like, you know. Disappointment. But like, yeah, that's fine. I've only had some other amazing baked goods. It just wasn't their chocolate chip cookie. Alison Roman. Roman. I don't know why she's. I don't know what her name. Alison Roman. Roman. I don't know why I'm like making it exotic. Like she seems like a nice girl. <laughs> you know, those, are, those exotic people are not nice girls. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It's getting late. Distractions. Oh God. What are you binging? What are you listening to? What Ooh. are you watching? Okay, I'll go first. Um, yes. right now I am listening to an audio book called. All the Lights We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr, and it won some fancy award, like one of the book awards, um, which typically, I will say, I feel like literature books tend to be a little bit less compelling at times, <laughs> um, but this one has been really good so far. It's about, uh, it takes place like around World War II, and I don't really totally know what's happening yet, but right now, um, one of the characters is a girl who's blind. And she lives in Paris when it's being invaded, so her and her father are on the run. And then also follows um, a boy from a German mining town who um, is an orphan, so basically he's, like, fated to go work in the mines, but he's, like, very bright and intelligent and dreams of being an engineer. And so he sees kind of joining Hitler's whole, you know, regime as a way up. To get out, yeah. Yeah, to get out of that. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, uh, I'm like look up what. So that's what I've been doing. I've been doing. I, it's an audiobook, and I've been doing embroidery today while listening to it. Um, it's just like a super soothing activity. And yeah, I don't think um, I haven't tried any new podcasts, but I'm actively lining a few up that I want to do because yeah. I hear there's this really great one called Real Life Alphabetically that occasionally puts episodes out. <laughs> now, are you someone, do you spend a lot of time binging? Do you spend, like, are you listening to something while you're doing something else? What What's your style for that, just to, for some context? I don't binge quite as heavily. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I don't have, like, the... I I am not typically much of a binger. I used to binge more, but now I feel like it, it just, like, leaves me in depression. So I actively yeah. don't try to binge. Like, I actively stop myself. And then the other thing is, like, 
there's like very few things that capture my attention that make me want to binge. Not in a bad way. Like I, I just finished Castlevania season three. Great show, but I, we watched like one to two episodes a day. Right. <laughs> They're 20 minutes long. Like, right. Like, You're very much a piecemeal, grab a pinch here, grab a pinch there. Yeah. Until it, you get through the whole thing. And drives people crazy who watch um, movies or TV shows because I like stand up every 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to like pause this and take a walk. And they're like, what are you doing? Like sit back down. <laughs> I think there's some things where you're getting getting a worse sensation of it though because of how you consume media sometimes. And you and I have talked about this. There's some thing there's some books and podcasts yeah. and videos and all that where if you're gonna do it you need to set out like an hour or two to really yeah. get the full focus of it. Um so I, I think that's interesting to note that, you know, you, you kind of take a pinch here, twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there and see what yeah, happens. Yeah. I think um it's a little bit easier. So with audiobooks I can like put in headphones and walk places and like sure. do other things. I think that's yeah, so I think it's harder with like T V shows because I feel like after a while, after an hour or two I'm like, I should be doing other things. <laughs> So if it's something I can like multitask in, like doing the embroidery allows me to listen to my audiobook more because I can't like sit still for that long, like without oh, sure. something with my hands or, you know, um, but like the embroidery doesn't require the kind of mental energy that like, you know, writing emails and listening to an audiobook, it would be like impossible for me because it's like too, too much of the same type of energy, like the focus you need. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I and I think like podcasts, as long as I have like the consistent time available, because sometimes it's like, you know, some weeks you're like totally good, you're listening to your hour or two podcast a day, and that's what you want, you know, just living your life. And then other weeks it's like you're on the phone all the time, or you just don't want to listen to podcasts or anything, sure. or your ears are bleeding because my ears just start bleeding if I wear my headphones too much, so nice. you can't listen to things if you're out and about. So yeah. So I, I see what you mean. Um, I do. It is hardest for me to not binge really good books. That is the one I struggle with putting down. Yeah. I have been playing Animal Crossing because Ooh, it is so the most soothing game in the world, and that's why it has <laughs> taken a little by so storm. Into, yeah, it's so right it's so fucking good. I have apples on my island, and <laughs> which was in our episode A. Thank you very much. Yeah. And the other fruit that I get when I do little travels in the game, because you can travel to the other islands, are pears. So you oh need apples. Pear. It's there are six types of fruit. You can only get two types in your own game. Otherwise, you have to like meet you know with other friends and go to their islands yeah. and get their fruit and that kind of stuff. I haven't done that much, although I, I have plenty of friends that play it too. But I've just been focusing really on my own mm-hmm. building my own island and getting you know inhabitants and all that. It's an adorable, sweet game. I, I love it. I try not to binge it too hard because kind of like well, first of all, you can kind of run out of things or it gets a little repetitive because it's it's in real time. So like I'm I'll mm. give you an example. I'm building a bridge over a river on my little island. Okay. And it won't be there until tomorrow. Like, I paid for it. I, I did, it yeah. And literally, overnight, and then they like, oh, yeah, yeah. your bridge is built, that kind of stuff. Which I honestly really like because it puts in that regimented, you don't have people that are doing literally everything in the game in the first three days because it takes time. You need to put, yeah. you, know, you can pick it up, you can drop it whenever, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I want to read you a quote. Okay. It's one of my favorite quotes, and I want you to tell me what it's from, if you can. If you can't, but, you know, no, no, nothing against you. <laughs> 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 oh, 
All right then. Stop. Wow. Wow. Stop. Throw some shade. I'm gonna throw some shade. No, this is this is a no shade zone. When someone leaves your life, those exits are not made equal. Some are beautiful and poetic and satisfying. Others are abrupt and unfair. But most are just unremarkable, unintentional, clumsy. That's one of my favorite quotes. Do you know who wrote that? I don't. I want Griffin McElroy wrote that. That motherfucker. So, the way that I binge things and the way I distract myself is I generally have two things going at once. Yes, I'm playing Animal Crossing or I'm watching a video or something, but I also have a podcast going or I also have music going. And I want to say I have binged two podcasts over the last month and I desperately need to talk about one of them or I'm done. Oh my done. god. Yeah. Um, the first one I, I listened to was called Wonderful. I, I, I did a, um, I don't remember. I, I, it's interesting I because you actually recommended this podcast to me and then didn't listen to it, I, I and I listened to it. <laughs> I listened to every. I listened to the 125 episodes of it. Um, it's just uh, Griffin McElroy, who's a, a podcaster that does mostly podcasts with his brothers that I love. I saw them live. We, we both saw them live in, in 2019. Yeah. Um, he wonderfully does with his wife. And it's all about just them talking about topics that they think are, quote, unquote, wonderful. And it's introduced me to new music. It's introduced me to new authors. Yeah. Um, his wife has a master's in, in poetry. She brings, you know, Rachel's Poetry Corner is one of my favorite things and ever. And you really enjoy, like, the kind of range of topics they go over. And then, <laughs> and then will be like, Animal Crossing. And then he'll go into yeah. a 15-minute, you know, thing about why Animal Crossing is amazing right after his wife talks about, you know, this, this incredible poem and, or this band or, or whatever. Did you I, watch his uh, live stream? Which one? His Animal Crossing live stream? Yeah. I've watched all, I think there's two or three. There's two yeah. or three, yeah. The one was, yeah, oh, you better believe. I am yeah, I was like. Family live streams, you better believe. Okay. Stories from my gaffer with their father, Clint, it, it's amazing. Um, but I want to talk, the, the one I want to spend a minute talking about is The Adventure Zone. Um, that that quote that I read, and and there's many others, are, are from the first storyline or the first arc of the Adventure Zone, which is Griffin McElroy, his two brothers, and their father playing Dungeons and Dragons, which sounds awful. That sounds like the worst, nerdiest fucking podcast you could ever listen to. And I have no other way to describe it other than the the 69 episodes <laughs> nice uh, that, they, that make up that first arc of, of what's called the Balance Arc is end-to-end my favorite piece of media that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. Um, I binged for, this is the fourth time that I've listened through to, and each episode's like an hour to an hour and a half. Like, it's it's deep, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of goofs, a lot of laughs. Um, it makes me cry every single time. This time was no different. Uh, I actually wrote a, a post on Reddit uh, um, of my appreciation for it because, like, there was stuff I just needed to get out about how much I love this. And I'm not going to go that deep into it here other than to say, uh, if you're looking for something to listen to and you have, you know, some nerdy interests or you, you know, ha- like sci-fi fantasy, that kind of stuff, give the Adventure Zone a try. Uh, it's not for everyone. I know that. They they know that. It's it's a pretty niche kind of thing, but it's, it's incredibly special. And it, it's something that I don't know how – I don't know how it impacts me as much as it does. 
to be to be 100% honest with you. I can just hear a certain quote from it, like like the one that I read or a couple of others, and not only do I get goosebumps, I get, I get teary-eyed. Like, it's so emotionally impactful by the end of it, and it's the way they weave these stories and everything. It is definitely something you need to sink some real time into. Um, like it's probably two hours a listen just to to make to get what's going on honestly, but um, I it's so worth it. Yeah, I listened to the first Darker of the Adventures on it and I enjoyed it. I think their humor. I wouldn't. I don't know. I I think as long as you enjoy some element of sci-fi fantasy and absurdity, like you would enjoy it. I don't think you necessarily need to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. I have never played Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> I not not that I wouldn't. I would actually love to. Yeah. I always wanted to as a kid, but nobody ever wanted to with me. But I have never played it once in my life, and to me, it was still one of the most interesting things I've ever listened to. Yeah, um, and I enjoyed it. I thought they were so creative. Um, I think my problem is at that time I wasn't consistently listening to podcasts because it was just my life, so it was hard to follow. But I did finish the first arc, and this is a good story. So I sometimes get in these. Um, like why I listened to the Adventure Zone is I think you had recommended it to me, um, and I was like, oh, and I looked it up and I was like, okay, like fictional Dungeons and Dragons fantasy, and so I at the time like I was like, you know, I feel like my boyfriend doesn't he he's not like engaging in fiction as much, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like fiction is a very like important thing to me because I think it allows you to process emotions and. It just gives you, like, a different kind of emotional experience. And so I told my boyfriend that we should listen to this podcast together because we we did long distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do long distance. Um, and he had a walk every day to work that was, like, 15, 20 minutes each way. And so he, he's like, yeah, it's fine. And so he ended up listening to, like, the first, like, 60 or 70 episodes and, like, really enjoying it. And I just, like, never listened to it. <laughs> It's like kind of how that ended up, but it was a good, it was a good trap. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. It worked for him. It worked for him. Um, So he really entered it as well. I don't think he, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever asked him if it made him feel like really emotional, but he seemed to really enjoy it and like appreciate a lot of the humor. So. Yeah. It, cert- it certainly hits a lot of things that are kind of close to home for me and, and, and how I feel and some of the character elements of it. Yeah. Uh, I will also say that this time I listened to it in, I think it was nine days. Do not do that. Do not be as oh, insane as, as I am. Don't yeah. listen to 69-hour-plus-long episodes, most of them an hour and a half, in nine days. I was listening to it while I worked. I was listening to it while I worked out. I was listening to it while I cooked. I was listening to The only time I wasn't listening to it was the, like, five hours a night that I slept <laughs> and if I was watching something like a TV show or something like that. Um, other than that, it was pretty much all Adventure Zone all the time, which yeah. for me was great because I was I was looking for it. Yeah. Uh, but people have some extra time on their hands now, and I don't yeah. know. It's, it's I, mean, worth it, a shot. I I agree. If I was doing like any sort of a little bit more mindless stuff, then I would listen to um, podcasts or audiobooks. I feel like right now I've been trying to balance it a little bit. So typically. Like, right now, I'm, like, listening to an audiobook, but then I'm also reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of nice to switch between them. Um, Very much. Just because I said it. Because, like, sometimes it's, like, I like listening because I feel like a lot of the stimulation we get is with, like, the visual input, right? You're mm-hmm. always in your computer, your phone, you're reading, like, you're looking at things. Um, so it's nice to have the audiobook, especially at night when you're, like, oh, I just I can, like, play here and just listen to it if I want to do that. Right. Um, 
but then sometimes it's like you just don't want to listen to something. <laughs> I will say to that point, and to, yeah. to, to give more props to the Adventure Zone, because I will do that for the rest of my life, uh, they've released two graphic novels of have, the first yeah. two pieces of, of the Balance Arc, both of which are New York Times bestsellers. They are amazing. Um, the third one comes out this year, and I'm very excited for it. And they are working on an animated show for NBC's streaming platform that they're going to try to do called it's something dumb like Peacock or some stupid <laughs> thing. But it, they are trying to, to get picked up an oh, actual man. animated version. I wish of it was show. on Netflix. Oh, man. I would... People would lose me for a week as I binged it. Yeah. Like, I would just be non-contact. <laughs> I, I just love it. And it's something that I, you know want to talk more about with people, if I'm being completely honest, because that's how impactful it is to me. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm totally the person who was talking about the things they like. And are yeah. doing. It's a passion of mine, in a way that, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Dune is up there, too. <laughs> talk a little bit about your work. Oh, fuck, I knew you were going to say that. I know. So, I, <laughs> hello, welcome back. Um, to you, nothing has changed, but it is three days later while we're recording this. Yeah, uh, that's bad. <laughs> this will be our first, you, you may have heard Malavika have a heart attack, depending on how I edited it. Uh, but, it's uh, not this will be our first multi-day recording, so, so hopefully it's been pretty seamless for you. Um, I work for the Department of Defense, which starts with D. Um, I'll, give a little bit, because I, I think I cut most of my back backstory. Um, I went to case with Malavika, and that was, meeting Malavika and, and our other friends was probably the best thing to come out of going to case. <laughs> but I did, I did get a degree in economics and political science with a minor in film, because I needed at least something to keep me sane. Um, I ended up probably learning more from the film classes than I did from the two majors combined, but, you know, that's, that was the breaks. Um, out of out of college was after the financial crisis it was 2011, and there was you know things were starting to pick up a little bit, but all of like the entry level or even mid level jobs that you know I was looking for and I was trying to get, there were people with 10 plus years experiences, you know, 10 plus years experience going for those same jobs because they had gotten laid off in 08 or 09, you know when the crash had happened. Eventually, I did get two offers, one to work for the IRS, which I eventually took, and one to work for the Department of Defense for an agency called DFAS, or Defense Finance and Accounting Service. There were a couple differences between the two. The IRS one was seasonal, but it paid more. The DFAS one was it paid less, but it was full-time temporary, so I wouldn't have any time off during the year, but it could only be for one year. And my dad worked for DFAS at the time, and that like I didn't really care to work at the same place my father worked, even though it's a huge. I mean, in Cleveland alone, they have like 2,000 plus people, but uh, still, it wasn't really what I was looking for in my life. Um, but everything pointed me towards the IRS. Now, I spent about five years at the IRS on the phones in their call center, and it was a lot of things. I could probably do a whole episode just on on what it was like doing that, but um, I learned to talk a lot. I learned what I sound like, and that's why I don't hate hearing my voice, is because I've heard my voice many thousands of times. It was awful. 
dealing with the general public in any customer service job is generally awful. This was the IRS customer service where they're only calling you if either they owe you money that they don't want to pay or the government owes them a refund, or at least they think they do, and they haven't gotten their check. Uh, so it wasn't like I was dealing with people on their best moments. Uh, eventually, I got the opportunity to leave there uh, and and go to DFAS um, as a lead in their call center. It's a weird story. I'm probably going to cut most of this out anyway. It's very uninteresting to me. <laughs> eventually, I became a supervisor in their call center. I did that for a year. That's the hardest I've ever worked and the most stressed out I've ever been in my life. Um, that was 2018 for me. Um, I was managing a team of like 14 people in addition to running the whole training program for about 300 people. And in, and we were just making up that like the training didn't exist. And then all of a sudden I was put in charge of it and it did exist. I, I almost had probably two legitimate mental breakdowns. I, I think I steered away from both of them. But now I work as a financial specialist, which is a fancy word of saying I'm a, an analyst of sorts. I work on projects for, um, DFAS has multiple call centers. And I work on projects around like the technology and the phone systems and trying to buy new technologies that'll help, you know, customer service or, you know, I'm doing things with artificial intelligence and voice biometrics. You know, we have meetings with Google and Amazon and, you know, th- those kind of places. I kind of fell ass backwards into a really interesting job that I really enjoy that I'm actually pretty passionate about. Um, I've been trying to, I've been in this job for a year now, and I can't see myself leaving it probably for another year, just because I want to see some of these, you know, these projects that I've been working on long term actually come to fruition, whether it's actually buying something or them saying we're, we're broke, you know, fuck off. But so yeah, I work for the Defense Finance Accounting Agency, uh, or Defense Finance Accounting Service, rather, and uh, that's that. Starts with D. You actually started kind of at the lower level, and then you, like, worked your way up like you were a temporary worker, and then you became a supervisor, and now you're in this kind of more managerial, I don't know, like, big picture role comparatively. Yep. With, of... with less responsibility than I when, <laughs> than when I was a supervisor. Isn't that that very clear. I get paid. I get paid more, and I have a lot less responsibility and a lot less, like, soul-crushing pressure. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's worked out pretty fucking well for me. Yeah, I have to say, though, like, um, I didn't, you were talking about, like, developing training programs and how it was, like, it didn't exist one day and you had to, like, make it up. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm doing a similar thing right now for medical school curriculum for people who've had their time, because typically medical school, for a certain amount of time, you go to the hospital, but obviously they're restricting the number of people in hospitals and students are not vital. (laughs) <laughs> um, bottom line, we're not vital. Um, so we're trying to put together this online curriculum, and it was a lot. It was, yeah, it was, like, easily 60 hours in a week of just, like, shifting files around, copying, pasting, trying to, like, come up with something that sounds reasonable, like, a little bit of infighting, like, you, just because you, you have an idea and a vision, and they have an idea and a vision, you just want it to be good. And so it's, like, do you let this go? Do you stand your ground? I don't know. It's it's challenging. <laughs> Respect to you. Well, yeah. And sure, it's even worse than the government. I didn't have a lot of red tape. It wasn't great just because I was working 40 hours a week doing a job I wasn't getting paid for. So I also had to do my full 40-hour-a-week job 
uh, simultaneously. Like I wasn't, you don't take any work home. Uh, well, I did a little bit actually, but like I had to figure out ways to, I don't know, make both jobs happen at the same time. One of which wasn't actually a formal job at all. It was just a responsibility that was given to me. No additional pay, no additional resources. No, our budget was zero. I, you know, I was given two people off of the phones and they said, create a, a new hire kind of curriculum for the first two, three weeks when they come in. And then we just went from there. And now it's, when I left, um, when a, a very, very good friend of mine took over and, uh, it's, it's really even expanded beyond when I was there. It's, it's something I'm really proud of that, you know, they've, they've taken off. Um, yeah. And, and some of the people that are, that are kind of, I don't want to say run it, that, that are instrumental to it, that are essential to it. Some of the best trainers that they have and, and uh, the project lead and, and things like that. Like, I had to, to, to get the person that's kind of the project lead even on the project in the first place. I had to kind of put my ass on the line and I had to go up to some superiors and say, like, I need this guy in my training. He's perfect. And, you know, I, I want to build him up to do more. Mm-hmm. And, and that person basically said to me, well, if this doesn't work out, it, it's, it's all on you. I'm not backing you on this. I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Fine. I'll, yes. We had that, that that was a literal conversation and I I could not be prouder. I will say of that part of my life, I got to see a lot of things that I built and a lot of things that I had my hand in really take off in a way that was satisfying and and that I have a lot of pride in. I think there's this whole aspect of like legacy to it. Like, oh, I did that. Like, you know, your name may not be anywhere on it, but like the fact it continues is like pretty cool. (laughs) Like maybe your name is on it, but still. a few people that need to know know what my uh, what my role was in the yeah, that first year. Exactly. So on your list you have Denver and Dallas as kind of a co-topic. Yeah. And yep. those I so I know. Yeah. And we'll tell you that those are places that you dated, liked people from, had I don't know some form of a relationship with people from those places. I fell in love with women in both cities. Okay. Over the last year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half, about. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so you said I could ask you some questions about them. Yeah, I think that I think that's probably the best way for this for. Uh, yeah. For the listener, is for you because you know no one knows more than you do in in those regards. So I, whatever seems interesting or important or anything you'd like to know, I'm an open book. We'll call them Dallas woman and Denver woman. <laughs> That's fair. Dallas and Denver, honestly, are, are good names, too. They're great names. Um, so with Dallas, can you tell me a little bit about like, what it was like to be in love with this person? How you kind of, like, did you fall in love or did you wake up and you're like, this is, this is it? <laughs> Her, okay. She was a lot of fun. Um, she was very high energy and exciting and really good looking and funny and smart and kind of dark in a way that, you know, I always vibe with and appreciate in people. Um, she had, she had definitely like a dark comic streak to her, which I, you know, I was attracted to immediately and immensely. Um, so with her, it was more the infatuation was immediate and strong and you know that thing where we met Mm -hmm. 
this this day and then all of a sudden we're talking all day every day you know there's not a, an hour that goes by that we're not at least texting or, or whatever mm-hmm. um uh, for her i will say that i was at a point in my life where i was looking to fall in love or hoping to fall in love or mm, so you're primed for it yes which is I good was, I was very much aching for that feeling of love, uh, mm-hmm. which meant it did not, it was not difficult for me to, to kind of fall into that place with her, especially when I was getting the same sort of reaction and the same sort of vibe. From yeah. Like the positive feedback. Yeah. Um, tell me about like a positive memory with Dallas. When she came to visit me, um, we met online. I should make that. I met both of these people online. Um, when when I when the girl from Dallas came to visit me, um, the first night was awful, and then the the resulting next day was was pretty awful for a lot of reasons that I will not be going into. But after like a day of like kind of rebooting and getting comfortable, we got immediately comfortable for the time that she was here and. That's when I learned that I had gotten this promotion to, the, to this job I'm in now was while she was here. I had a, uh, I learned that I got this big award from work. I had to go in for a half day of work while she was here because the director of my agency was in town and I had to get this, this award or this coin from her. Uh, it, like there were so many all of a sudden positive things happening while she was here and, <laughs> and we were vibing really yeah. well and it it was very comfortable and it was very domestic. Like she mm-hmm. she was here for about six days, and on the sixth day, she was like, "I don't want to leave. I I want to stay another day. Do you mind?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I want you to stay another day." So she did, and that like even just that felt great. Like that, that yeah. she wanted to stay. Isn't it interesting? I feel like I've had these moments too, where you feel like the world is rewarding you. Yeah, that's very yeah. much what that felt like. Like, um, with one of my ex-boyfriends, like, whenever, I just felt like it was so easy to be with him, and, like, it just felt like we would go to the grocery store together, and inevitably we would get, like, free groceries. Like, something would, like, land in our bag, or the person would be like, you know, just, just take it, it's fine. Like, <laughs> just something random. We'd go to restaurants, and, like, we would get, like, free glasses of wine, and, like, I'm so sorry to keep you waiting, and we're like, what are you talking about? We've been here two minutes, like. So it just felt like the world was, like, you know, laying out the red carpet and making it so easy for you to be with that person, like, yeah. in that moment. There was definitely an element of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then, like, having another person say you like I'm so happy like I want to be here with you like it just it's like a good feeling you know yeah and in what was really foolish of me but I was not like I said I was eager for a relationship and I was eager to be in love and I was eager for everything to work and, and all yeah. that while she was here we she met my mother Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. Yeah. It, oh, they got no. along great. Like, it was a good <laughs> experience, which still boggles my fucking mind. But, it, like, it was nice. Mm-hmm. It, it was, like, I think about that part of it, and I'm like, I was, I, I must have been on drugs or something. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's like, that's like the biggest mistake. Oh, and, no. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it was great. And, you know, my, my mom thought she was great, and and the girl from Dallas got along with my mother instantly, and we talked about dogs and, you know, all sorts of other stuff that they kind of had in common. What else would you like to know? In your kind of, you know, obviously it didn't work out 
It did <laughs> in your, not. In your post-mortem analysis, what, what, what do you think actually ultimately led to you being like, no, this is done, or them saying, no, this is done? Um, I think that a lot of the things that she said that she wanted and the things that she said just in general were deflections from how she was actually feeling and avoiding. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of it was she wanted to be kind of codependent, which I'm not going to lie, I didn't have a problem with. She wanted to feel wanted. She wanted to feel desired and, and to have yeah. somebody close and all of that. I think a lot of it for her was she wasn't mindfully saying things that were incorrect or she wasn't mindfully lying or anything like that. But I think she just dug dug in and said, this is what I want and I'm going to have it. And then at a certain point was like, whoa, wait, no, I didn't, I didn't sign up for any of this. I didn't, you know, this is way too much too fast or, or whatever the, you know, that part I don't know. But that it wasn't what she actually wanted and, and wasn't what she was actually looking for. And there were signs along the way. It, it wasn't a very long relationship that we dated. Um, but there were definitely signs along the way that even now I would notice would be a lot more, uh, you know, red flags. But Yeah, you know that, like, infatuation chemical, though? It, like, really smooths over a lot of stuff. What the, the, best, the best saying for it, and my favorite quote, or one of my favorite quotes from Bojack Horseman is, um, when you look at someone with rose-colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. <laughs> That's very appropriate. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. I, I definitely look at her through <laughs> rose-colored glasses. I will say, just to, to put a point on that one, uh, when I went to Dallas to visit yeah. her uh, a little bit after, I I should have broken up with her halfway through the three days that I was there. <laughs> just yeah. to, to, be, to be completely honest. I... Did start to pick up on some of those red flags though while I was there, and then afterwards I felt so numb that it took me a little while to yeah. piece it all together in my mind. Yeah, and I think this is like a common thing. I mean, like that we all have where what we say we want versus what we actually want versus what we like kind of need are like not the same things, <laughs> which makes it really hard sometimes when you're trying to like build relationships or work through issues with people. I'm very impressed by anyone that has done the hard work and spent the time and actually has figured out what they want. I think that's a very rare quality in a person, much more rare than people realize. I no, think there's things we, we think we want. Yeah. Very few people actually know. Yeah. And, and like, to be fair, it changes. Oh, for sure. It's, it's time dependent, you know, where you are in your life, what you're looking for, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um... All right, so Dallas person, lovely, didn't work out. It's all right. Some yeah. red flags. <laughs> yeah, plenty of red flags. Yeah. Um, with Denver, um, I guess my first question is, well, maybe I'll start with this. Maybe I'll tell you my perception of your relationship with Denver, okay. and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong or fill in the gaps. So I think... You felt very emotionally connected to Denver. I feel like what we were talking about with um, that hard work you have to put in to kind of know what you want, she had a much better sense of that and was able to convey that to you, what she needed and what she wanted. 
And I think that's a very pleasant experience, especially if you're becoming like very close to someone emotionally, to be able to be like, this person needs this, and then you're able to give that to them. And I, I think like people really underestimate that feeling you get. I think it's probably the same feeling you get when you like give back to the community and all that positive um, vibes. And I think she was attractive and beautiful, and I think she had a lot of common interests. Um, and I think most of all, you felt like you could help her, like you were someone important and needed in her life, especially at that time. And I think that's like also somewhat intoxicating. It's, I don't know, it's it's interesting, this is a side note, but it's interesting that I think a lot of times people feel left out in friendships or relationships because they're like, that person doesn't need me because all relationships have, you need to have like a little bit of codependence. It's not that you're not independent and you can't go out and do things on your own or, you know, take care of yourself, but the, a little bit of that emotional codependence or that like bonding over, you know, hard things or fun things. Um, that's like what builds relationships. And I, I think like the fact you had that on top of her not being like, you know, a, you know, going through a hard time, but not being a mess, um, in, in the same way that other people had been in the past for you. So I, I think it was a very, you just seemed really happy for a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, that, nothing that you just said in any way do I disagree with. That, that was all, that was, a, that was a really, really good way to put a lot of it. I will say, I want to touch on something you just said, because it, sparked something that I was thinking about when I was making my list and actually one of my things on on the list that we haven't or we didn't talk about was depression and I I spent some time thinking about what depression was for me and and not only like what makes me depressed that kind of stuff but what thoughts do I have when I'm depressed or what feelings do I have when I'm depressed mm-hmm. and and my the biggest things for me when I'm feeling most depressed and all that is in that in some way I have been forgotten or left alone mm-hmm. uh, the, those though that is the the hole that I sink into when I am in the midst of depression is generally like you just explained it of that person doesn't need me or you know I, I've never been one to think that I'm worthless or anything like that I, that's not a a, a vein for me, but definitely not worthy, or that I have not, you know, I was weighed mm-hmm. and found wanting. I didn't quite measure up that that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's where that's the kind of lane that I fall into when I when I'm at my you know worst mental state. So with and, and not that that even relates to how I feel about the girl from Denver or anything like that, but I think you're 100% right in in that analysis. I will say. Um, one of the things about her was she introduced me to the most basic concept that I think exists, uh, the concept of providing someone with context. Um, not only telling someone that you care about, this is how I feel, but explaining why, explaining the full situation, you know, and knowing, I'll use you and I, for example, like I could tell you that, you know, I feel terrible today, or I feel depressed today, or I feel alone, or w- anything like that. And you and I are close enough, you already have that context of what's going on in my life, and, you know, where I am, what I'm doing, that you'll understand that. But for someone that, even if you're together, even if you're dating, even if you're living in the same house, anything like that, it may be such a specific experience or specific feeling that they don't understand why A led to B. 
So get just making sure someone has that map, someone has that context for, you know, this is how I'm feeling, and honestly, this is what I need from you. I I'm look, I do not feel supported right now. I would like to feel supported. Will you give me a hug? Like it, that's obviously at its most simple. But when she started introducing me to that as as like a concept, how are we? How do we not all do this at all times with people? It's such a simple thing, but it it leads to you getting what you actually want and need. Yeah, but we talked about how it's hard sometimes because you don't always know what you want and need. <laughs> But I mean, even I'm not even saying long term or from a relationship or anything. I'm like, I'm saying, I need you to just listen while I complain. Boom. Yeah. I yeah. have provided you context for our conversation. I just need to blow off steam. Yeah. Not, I don't want to be fixed. I don't want you to give me advice. I don't want anything like that. Let me just complain at you. And you have now set up for success getting what you actually need from the other person. Yeah, I agree. I try and do that. You are a champion of doing that, and and I've said that for a long time. You are one of the most self-aware people that I know, and you generally provide your friends and your loved ones with this. This is a roadmap for Malavika's success. You know, do the following things, and, and we're cool. And uh, I've always appreciated you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so wonderful person, but tell me a little bit how you feel. Um, you, so you're not with this person either. Um, we we did not have ever formally date or anything like that. I I will say that we we did use uh, the the hard L word for a while. So it doesn't matter. Labels aren't that important. No, I, guess I, was, I don't want to get into that piece of it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, why do you think it didn't work out? I don't think that's the question I'm going to answer. Okay. Um, and I mean, and I don't I don't mean that as a way of like I'm going to avoid your question. I don't know that there was something to – I don't know that it didn't work out. I'm, I'm going to adjust the oh, that's premise. True. That's true. I, um, I don't know that I want to classify with, with her true. as things didn't work out. Um, how I would explain it is, um, you know when you're playing a, a video game and you come up to like a save point or a, a checkpoint mm-hmm. or something like that, yeah. and if you lose, if you die, whatever, you, you go back to that point and, and try to get whatever. There was a point between us where I think I got stuck at a checkpoint and like my, my mind didn't move on from there, mm-hmm. uh, where, where she was in, and she was in the real world and had a real life and, you know, was growing and, and doing and being. And I was still kind of stuck at a place that was moved on from, I, I suppose. I, I mean, and I'm not even saying that as like that, that she moved on from me or anything like that, but, you know, I was. No, but the relationship evolved, and you were yes. thinking it was. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a very lovely way of thinking about it. Like, and just in general, how relationships can change. Yeah. Yeah, and that could be hard. Only in the last. Well, uh, it's April now, so I will say it's been. It took me a little while to even realize that I was stuck where I was, and then to kind of try to become okay with reality i don't know that's that's a weird way i don't necessarily like explaining it that way but i guess catch back up to to put my mind onto the real world kind of like if you i'm going to use weird analogies for all this but like if you're watching tv and you go back 30 seconds to to rewatch something that happened in a game in a, or mm-hmm. a commercial or something like that and then you you're able to kind of fast forward back so that you're at, at live you can't go forward anymore yeah it took me some time to realize that I needed to kind of catch back up to where the live stream was. 
yeah. versus versus where I was. I will say, um, <laughs> with with her, with the, the girl from Denver, um, she is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. I bear mm-hmm. her no ill will. I still, I mean, I tremendously oh. still, still feel the hard L for her. You know, I, I won't even yeah. lie and say that I don't. The thing that makes me, I won't even use the word sad, um, and it's, I'm not going to go into detail about it. I know you're one of the few human beings that know about it is the grand gesture mm. that I had in my mind over, over months even kind of known a romantic gesture that I wanted to, to do uh, with her and for, for her really. And, uh, I've never gotten this close to doing the grand gesture as I did with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and like I said, I'm, I'm not going to go into details or, or talk about what it was or anything like that. But I, I felt a lot of pride in the in, in kind of the things I was able to pull together in, that were going to be a, a part of that gesture. And I know some people look poorly on grand gestures, and that's fine. I understand it. Uh, I am much more of that hopeless romantic where you know I've, I've always wanted to express how I feel about someone and what I want from and with someone in that like grand romantic fashion, you know, the, the show up on horseback and, the, you know, obviously not that. <laughs> yeah, you and I are a little different. I'm not yeah. a gesture person. You're but. much more of a low key, you know, tell it like it is. And I'm much more of a, you know, I wanted to have the whole, the whole shebang. And, um, I really thought that I was going to get the opportunity to, and that I, I, it was going to be, it was going to be made reality in a way that, you know, plen- you know, even over the course of my life, there's always been thoughts of like, oh, man, that would be a great gesture. That would be super romantic to do. Um, this this would have been probably the, the best and, and may end up being what would have been the best even for the rest of my life. Well, you know, I'll never know, I suppose. But uh, that it came really close. Yeah. And that, I feel like that loss of potential is sometimes harder than the real thing. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're I sometimes feel that, yeah. I, I may talk about the detail. Maybe by the time we get to, to episode G, I will have uh, figured out what to do with what was going to be the grand gesture. And then yeah. just, you know, when, once once I no longer have it as a, you know, yeah. something in a drawer in my house, then uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I think it's what... You know, it made me think a little bit, but I, I feel like sometimes, just in general, I go through life and I meet people and you just connect with them. And then, I don't know if this happens to you, I have another close friend who I talked to about this, and he had some name for it that I don't totally remember, but it's just kind of like where you meet a person and then kind of very quickly or instantly have like a deep understanding of like what that person needs or what you could add to that person's life. Yep. And it's and you have to, like, make a decision about if you're going to try and be that person or you need to not. And I think oftentimes, like, I've been dating someone for, you know, six years now. Like, a lot of times I, I still do meet people who I'm like, oh, that'd be very interesting. And if I was single, I would totally go on a date with you or something. But, you, you know, you have to make that decision for yourself. But um, I don't know if you've had that experience with other people where you're, like, not necessarily even, like, exceptionally grand gestures, but, like, Oh, I could make your life so much better <laughs> by being there for you. Yeah. And, and and then you you know pick one way or another. Where you're like, uh. <laughs> I've had friendships where I'm like, they're lovely people. They're just a bit more maintenance than I can like afford emotionally at the time. So you for kind sure. of like back off a little bit. 
yeah. I do want to say, because you're, you're 100% right, I'll give some context for, for how it was different at the beginning for uh, me and, and the girl from Denver versus me and the girl from Dallas. So I was pretty heartbroken after after things did not turn out well with the girl from Dallas. And and the way things ended was she kind of long-term ghosted me. Like we were talking less and less and less and less and less and less and less. And I I knew at that, like I, I knew after I went and visited her that, that things were pretty much not going to be happening. But I just kind of, you know, as, as you and I have talked about, I kind of let the relationship run itself into the ground. Yeah. And I was like, uh, don't do that. And you're like, I'm going to do know. it. And I, I, said, I needed okay. to, from, from my own process, I needed sure. to just let it play out. Um, I ended up sending her, and we had, we had talked very, like one of the first things we talked about in, well, it, like let's say in the first two weeks that we knew each other was, what do you do with an ex's stuff, like, after you break up? Just historically, like, what what's your thought? Of, is it now your stuff? Do you send it back? You know, all that kind of stuff. And I talked about, you know, if, if I had any stuff from my exes, I would send it back. Like, I'm not someone that wants to take revenge. I'm not someone that wants to take, you know, keep oh, no. things that aren't mine or, or whatever it is. I, I have no place for that. So, you know, my thing, I would, I would always send it back. Um, and then... When we kind of, you know, when things were over, she sent me a, a very short text saying, like, I'm sorry that things worked out this way. This wasn't what I wanted. I didn't mean to hurt you. Some, like, literally that short. And uh, I sent her back all the stuff that she had left um, that, that she had brought here and had sent here in the thought of that she was going to be visiting a lot more because the plan was that she was going to be visiting a lot more. Uh, so I, I packed a box full of all that stuff, and I put a... a kind of a letter in it saying goodbye and that kind of stuff. And then maybe, I don't know, a, a little bit later, because that was probably that was probably May or June, probably about two months later, um, I realized that there was some stuff that I hadn't said that I needed to say still. There was still some unresolved. And I, I'm not proud that that was the case or anything like that. But so I, I sent her a long message. Um, basically being saying the things I should have said when I was um, when I visited her in Dallas. Were you too nice? Were you too nice in your letter? Not, you not mean in the one with the box? Yeah. No. Was, well, probably was it, it wasn't. It was. It was a very much like a. You know, I I understand, and these you know I I don't bear you any ill will and that kind of stuff. But there was still some stuff I I kind of needed to say, like a, a couple of fuck yous, if I'm being honest. Like fuck you for this, fuck you for that, fuck me for this, fuck me. Like dishing it out evenly, but still yeah. being more honest than than I was probably in the in the short letter. So I sent her that message, and and I started the message by saying like I'm I'm not looking for you to respond to this. I should have said this when I was in Dallas. And I should have broken up with you halfway through the, the three days that I was there. And this is the stuff I should have said at that point. I needed closure. I don't. I th- I think I got some from it. I, she didn't respond. You know, mm-hmm. wasn't. It didn't matter to me if she did or if she didn't. But um, it was just stuff I needed to have said, I guess, to make, to make myself feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I say any of that is with. Girl from Denver. We we met online under very different circumstances. We were not looking to be together. We were not looking to. Yeah. I've I've never tried harder in my life not to fall in love with someone. I didn't even know that was like a thing you could try to do. Yeah. I've I've been in love with a handful of people in my life, and uh, I 
with my whole, I, every day I did, you know, it's not love, you're just infatuated, she's just, you know, you just feel this connection to her, you just, oh, this, that, and the other, it's not love, it's mm-hmm. not love. And then it came to a certain point where I was like, if, if you have to work this hard to convince yourself you're not in love with someone, you're in love with someone. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're spending this much energy trying to, like, brute force your brain into say, into thinking that you're not in love, and then at that point I was like, fuck, like, I, I already knew that I was, and I, it was, it was a very different circumstance. Um, with her, I will say, more than anyone I've ever met in my life, how do I want to put it? Because she may hear this, and if she does, I'm okay with that. It's nothing I wouldn't say to her face. If she called me in five years and said, let's go get a drink, I'd, I'd be there. I think yeah. that's how I'll describe okay. it. It's, you have a deep connection, and... Yeah. How do you say it? Like, it's just, like you said, this, the circumstances are what it is. Yeah, she's a she's a very special person, and one that I care deeply for, and always will. Never know how it'll work out. <laughs> I certainly have not, uh, have, have not been in the business of giving myself hope on that front, uh, where <laughs> she's well, concerned, because that's that's like saying to me, she's like the lottery, the lottery jackpot, like. <laughs> I, I don't know I, if you could say that because that's always the problem, right? Like, there are people who are better for you than other people, but like, there's no. It's not like there's only one person, so you could hit the no someone else. I, I'm I, and by no means am I saying that she's my she's the she's my soulmate, and I'll never meet anyone yeah. else or anything like that. No, um, I don't know that I will meet anyone that ever made me feel like she did. That I know to be true. Okay. Because I've been with several people. I've been in love several times. I've been in love with very different kinds of people. And they all were special and, and fantastic. And, and I, I bear none of them any ill will. But, um, but, but this, this girl's special. I don't, I don't know honestly how to describe it anyway other than, yeah, special. Unreasonably special. Uh, it's the worst kind. It Haunt is. You. Haunt it is. You. It is. All right, friend, it's been real. It has been very real this time. Yeah. I'm glad that you didn't have a heart attack and die. Thank you, thank you. I'm trying to stay stay out of the hospitals right now. So. I, that's probably for the best, and I want to say to all of you, not only thanks for listening, but you should also try to stay out of the hospitals as much as you can. Yeah. That is advice from a real doctor. <laughs> Nearly, almost. Right. And she got it from CNN.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Please remember, send us your comments. Send us your questions. Send us, if you liked what you heard, if you want to hear more of something or less of something, if you have any questions for us, burning topics that you want us to discuss, uh, send us an email, uh, rlathepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account. I am currently the only follower of that Twitter account. So, you know, you can get in on the ground floor on this thing. Uh, But that is also RLA, the podcast. Uh, We're getting our website wrapped up. That should be be up pretty soon, which will be rlathepodcast.com. We're going going at this thing. But we appreciate you guys coming along on the ride with us. And uh, thanks for listening again.